0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message
1: to give you exactly what you need. Reading from Matthew 25, 14 through 27. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received the one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. "'Master,' he said, "'you entrusted me with two bags of gold. "'See, I have gained two more.' "'His master replied, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful with a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Come and share your master's happiness.' "'Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. "'Master,' he said, "'I know you're a hard man, "'harvesting where you've not sown "'and gathering where you have not scattered seed. "'So I was afraid.' And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that I returned. I would have received it back with interest.
0: You go ahead have a seat this morning. Let me go ahead and pray over us as we start to Lord as we open up your words that christians have read for a very long time we pray that you open our hearts as well god may you strengthen us to be able to have the same faith that those before us have also had god we recognize on holiday weekends like this uh with your different saints like martin luther king and so many others god we pray that we carry on what your gospel message has been doing. May you help us to be people of reconciliation, people of love, and people of forgiveness. May you illuminate our hearts this morning with your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. My question I want to start with you as we move to the second uh, here's how message today is just this. As I prayed just now, how did you envision God? What did you see as you closed your eyes and we prayed to the creator of the universe? Did you see a bright, ambiguous light? Did you see maybe someone that was extremely old like your great-great-grandfather did you imagine maybe someone like Morgan Freeman? Gosh, I hope that God's voice is like Morgan Freeman. I'm just laying my cards out on the table. What did you envision when you saw God? There is an overused joke that Christians tell all the time when talking about the reality of this. They tell it in the context of a school teacher and she is, uh, she's teaching a couple of young kids and she goes, okay, we're in play a game. I, Am going to describe something to you and when i describe that object i want you to be able at the end of it to be able to say that's what this is okay are you ready to play and she starts and she goes i'm imagining something brown and it's got a tail and it eats nuts and it climbs trees and all the kids stay silent And even though it's very obvious to this point, the teacher's like, Billy, what do you think the object is that I'm imagining? And Billy, looking at his teacher really skeptically, just goes, well, I want to say it's a squirrel, but since I'm in church, I guess Jesus is my final answer. (laughs) Doesn't it feel like Jesus is your metaphorical D all the above. He is the answer you're supposed to give in church all the time. What do you think think about God? You think about Jesus. But what do you do with stories like the one that Jesus tells at the end? Stories where you hear Jesus describe something about God and servants and at the very end you hear a story where Jesus says, and there is a servant who is taken away from them. And there will be gnashing of teeth. I've never seen gnashing of teeth, but I bet it's bad. And there's weeping. What do you do with a story like this? What is Jesus trying to tell us about God with this story? So last week, we started a series that we call Here's How. And we basically said this. We want to be people who live Love. Now, the tricky thing about living love is that it's not a destination. As a matter of fact, it is a way of being. And we talked about last week how we enter this way of being is being with Jesus. And when we get close to the one who embodied love, we find these seven ways that if we practice this love, we will grow in intimacy and closeness with Jesus. Now, to get to the how today, we have to start with the who, which is where this story starts today. When talking about the who, there is good news at the beginning of this story, but we have to look closely for where the good news is. And here's how I'd state the good news at the beginning of this story that Jesus tells us, is that the master's reaction is not God's First action towards any of us. This is the good news. If you haven't turned to your Bible yet, I'd encourage you to turn to Matthew 25. And you will see in the beginning of Jesus telling this story. He says in verse 14, again, it will be like a man that's going on a journey. He called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. And then in verse 15, to the one he gave five bags of gold, and to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag of gold. Jesus is telling you what God is like in the very beginning of this story. That this God is one who entrusts his wealth. And then in verse 15, what's the fourth word that you see there in the scripture? Someone yell it out to me. Fourth, one, two, three. He gave, absolutely. He is one, (laughs) that was a test, it's 8.30, okay, I know, I know it's a stretch. He gave bags of gold. If you want to know the God that Jesus knows, He's a God that is generous. A God that is entrusting. A God that is personal. A God that is inclusive. A God that gives love and things to everyone. This is the good news that Jesus wants you to know about God. Now, if you've stuck around our church long enough, you will hear we have a short-term way of describing this generous, loving, long, open-handed God. God is open-handed. So every time in this church that we say we want to be people who are open-handed, Why do we want to be that? Because we recognize that God is open-handed to each of us and to all of us. Now, the thing about the story that Jesus is going to tell you is that Jesus doesn't just focus on the attributes of God. Did you notice he also focuses on the attitude of the servants? And this is where we get to see What the Bible does and what the Spirit does as we read a story like this. Jesus' stories, this one would be called a parable, have something unique to it, okay? We always use the phrasing like, we are reading the Bible, which is true. But the Bible is also reading you as you go through it. Here's what I mean by that. That one of the most powerful things about Jesus' story is how you hear a story can reveal just as much about you as it can reveal about God. Let me give you an example of this. Have you ever had someone just out of the blue text you or email you and just say, we need to talk? Don't you love it when someone does that? Hey, we need to talk. Yeah, some of you are shaking your heads up. "Mm -mm, They wouldn't be my friend anymore. I had that happen to me a couple weeks ago. A friend just texted me out of the blue. Hadn't heard from them in a while, and they go, hey, can we talk? I was like, no, nah, yeah, sure, we can talk. And then as I kept going, I was like, you know what? I wonder if I'm in trouble with them. Ooh, I wonder if they're upset. I wonder if they're upset at that thing that I said. Wait, you know what? They've messed up in my friendship, too. You know what? Matter of fact, I think they owe me an apology. You know what? When we talk, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to tell them a piece of my mind. And then by the time I get talking to my friend, he was like, hey, I just wanted to know if I could borrow one of your things. Oh, okay. That's what you experience. When you hear a story and how you react to it, it reveals just as much about what's going on with you as much as what's going on with God. And as it's true with you, it's also true with the servants. Jesus gives you two servants in the beginning. Two servants that invested because they knew they were invested in. They receive the gold, they go out, they give the gold. They are able to see what is given to them. And because they see that, they also give it away. Those who are generous are people who first realize the generosity that's been given to them. That you can only give what you recognize has been given to you, And pay really close attention to the master's reaction to the two investments. I'm going to take you over. Uh, let's go to, over to verse 21. Uh, no, let's go back. Let's go 20. So the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. And the master said to him, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. And see, I've gained you five more. And lean in close here in verse 21. He says, his master replied, Well done. Notice he does not say well said. He says well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. And I will put you in charge of many. Come and share with your master. Now notice that's the response of the first servant. He goes to the second servant and he says the exact same thing. But did you notice the amount of bags of gold is different. That's a huge statement when it comes to how God operates. Think of it this way. That when two servants with different amounts come to God and they say, look, thank you, here's what I've done. This story is not about output. This story is not inspired by Amazon. Okay? This is not a story of output. This is a story of posture. That what good and faithful means is a posture of giving what you have been given. That each servant personally what they are given, they go out and they give. Intimacy with God is not going and doing what other people are doing. Intimacy with God is just giving what has been given to you and giving it to other people. There is a principle in the Bible that you get to see even in this passage. You'll see that in the very beginning of the story, Jesus actually says in verse 15 that to the one he gave five, to another he gave two, to another he gave one according to their ability. This is a principle that's found in the Bible that just means giving according to your means. Okay, here's another place that you can see this in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians, Paul, this believer, says this to a group of believers. Now, finish the work that you started so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. You are not supposed to give in a way that you've never been given to as much as you are to give according to your means. Now, for each of us, what we may be given may be different for each of us. What may be the bags of gold is different. For each of us, for some of us, it is our energy, or it is our availability. For others of us, it may be our resources, or blessed with great amount of income. For others of us, it may be unique abilities that other of us cannot replicate. Okay, you know who I'm talking to—the people that you can do things with your hands that the rest of us are like, I don't even know where to begin on building that thing. Okay, or. You can build or create or imagine in the world. All of us have been handed something by God. And just a brief reminder, if you hear about God giving you things, and deep in your soul, you'd never say it out loud, but you think deep within yourself. I haven't been given anything. I've worked for everything I've ever had in my life. Just a gentle reminder. Did you control your family in the time and the lineage in which you inherit? Do you have any control over the physical abilities that you have in your life? Did you just mystically gain the skills that you have that have made you successful so far in life? Or did other people hand you and teach you those skills to be able to do it? All of us have been handed something beautiful from God. And our question as followers of Jesus to grow in closer intimacy is to ask, what have I been given? And am I giving that to others? as well. So let me give you a very practical example of someone who has done this. And for some of us, we're in a season of life, especially if you have aging parents, that this may resonate just a little bit deeper. But when it comes to giving what you've been given, I want to share the story of Mike Glenn. Mike Glenn is a Christian that's over in Tennessee. He writes this beautiful book called Coffee with Mom. And he writes this story about what it's like to give to an aging parent. A journey that many of us have been on. Here's how Mike would describe it. Both my wife and I were working demanding jobs. Can everyone say amen? Our kids were married. They were off into their careers. They were providing us wonderful grandkids. Our lives were full and they were good, and then we added mom. We added mom the moment that the doctor said Alzheimer's, and I became the sole caregiver. We chose a facility that was very close to our home on the way to work so I could stop by and have coffee with mom every week. And for those four grueling years, every week, I stopped by to have coffee with my mother before work. I wasn't always perfect, but every time I would stop by, sometimes mom would be in a good mood. Other times mom would be angry with me. Sometimes she would condemn me. Sometimes she wouldn't remember me. And other times she couldn't even find a reason for why she could keep living. For four difficult years, I sat across my mother and I tried to give back to her what she gave to me growing up. Unless you've been there, you don't know what it does to your soul when a woman who has taught you and raised you everything slowly loses all of it. Caring for an Alzheimer's patient means you hurt all the time. But what I wanted to give her was what she gave to me that is what it means to be someone who is open-handed for what the father has given to us we give to other people around us for what Mike did for his mother in those final years was what it looks like to give what you have been given and this is the happiness that is described in this passage. That you will share in God's happiness. Think about it this way. We're talking about God. God doesn't need anything from you. God can be fully sustaining. And God can be God without you. But there's a happiness to experience in giving. Because when you give. You get a renewed sense of what you've even been given in the first place yourself. When we give, we realize what we have had all along. And this is the warning of the final servant. This is what Jesus wants you to hear about the final servant. Did you notice that when the final servant comes back to Jesus, he's hidden the gold, and immediately, the first thing that the servant says is he said, Master, in verse 24, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here, this is where it belongs. Did you notice the third servant is projecting his idea of God onto the Master? This is the warning of the last servant. To pay attention to the characteristic of God. That God is a giving God. And when we do not realize that God is a giving God, we are not giving people. Here's how one great thinker said it like this. We, you, me, we always live what we believe about God. We just don't always live what we profess to believe about God. Here's another way to say it. We may claim that God is loving and giving, but for many of us in our lives, we do not reflect that God is loving and giving. If you looked at how we operated our lives, it looks like we think that God is stingy and that God has left us on our own and that if we don't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, God will not provide and give to us. Often when we're not generous, it's because we believe that we are not recipients of the generosity of God. And oftentimes we will project this onto everyone around us and to God ourselves. The key to generosity is first looking at the generosity that God has given us. So how do you kickstart yourself? into the generosity of God. In the Here's How series, we have talked about every week, we want to finish with very practical ways to do this. So this week, I'm going to give you three very practical ways of how you could be a generous person, you could share in the happiness and joy, the posture of being open-handed. So here's number one. Take inventory of what you have received. When's the last time you've had an overwhelming feeling of everything you've been given? I'm not talking about an overwhelming feeling where you're like, I don't have enough right now. We all get that on a week to week. When's the last time you just had a moment that you just sat back and like, gosh, life is really good. I have everything that I need. There's things that I could could have could need in the future when's the last time you just had that feeling ah it's good first step take inventory of what you've received and just share it with someone these are all the things that are going on in my life these are the things that i have been given all right so here's number two spend on someone else what you would spend on yourself okay so spend on someone else what you would spend on yourself. What's the next purchase that you've got coming down the pipe in your mind? Okay. I can tell you what mine is. After I walked out in that cold today, I'm going to go buy a jacket. Okay. Someone left the air conditioner on and I'm not cool with it. I need a new jacket. I bought a jacket for someone else when I'm buying my jacket as well. Another discipleship way to start working this out is to be like, well, if I buy this item for someone else, I can't also buy it for myself. Then reduce the quality to be able to buy one for someone else and someone for you. Or buy it for someone else and just leave it at that. That's number two. Spend on someone what you'd spend on yourself. And then three, invest in the life of this church. We say together that we are open handed people. And I would say after this past year of just watching this church, I would say open handedness is one of our strengths that we have as a church. That we are open handed people. But we mean this in a lot of different ways. We mean this in a time way. We mean it in an energy sort of way. We mean it in a resource way. So each of us could answer this question differently. Maybe for some of us, we need to just start the consistent giving financially to church every week. Every single week, we have people who come with needs. And because we're an open-handed church, we're able to meet those needs. As a matter of fact, at the end of service today, you're going to hear a couple of examples about it. Another way of doing energy is just investing in different ministries and volunteering with it. I was floored last week. You responded beautifully. We said, hey, we need 10 people for the nursery. And we got what, 12 people? We got 12 people for the nursery. We'll have people holding babies for days, okay? We're doing great there. The other thing that we still need, we still need more communion servers, okay? We still need men or women who are willing to pass trays during service. We expect need that for first service so if you thought last week when i said hey we need some communion service if you thought in the back of your mind you're like nah someone will get that someone will handle that no 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 this week i'm coming back to you no i need you to handle that like we need you to help us with serving communion this week and just like it was last week uh, Bob will be out in the back. Bob, you're gonna be out there, right? Okay. Yeah, Bob's gonna be out there. <laughs> and Bob's gonna be at the table to be able to write down your name, to be able to do it. We need you for a month as far as the sign up goes. If you're gonna be gone one week, we can fill in, we can make that work. Okay. But these are the three different ways we take inventory, we spend on someone else, and we invest consistently in the church. These are the ways that we are open handed. Because remember, church, God has been open handed with us. Let me remind you of this as we come to the table today. There's a really famous uh, painter by the name of Rembrandt. And he has made this, people have talked about this for a long time. This is called The Painting of the Prodigal Son. Christians have reflected on this painting for a really long time. What very few people know though about this depiction of a son coming back to a father And being buried in his arms after he has spent everything that his father owned. Rembrandt, when painting this picture, took the light and put it very closely on the hands of the father. And I can't get you an image that's closer to it. But if you leaned in looking to this painting really closely, you would notice that the two hands of the father are different. The left hand is masculine. And the right hand is feminine. And the reason that Rembrandt painted this picture this way is he wanted people to know the types of hands of the Father. That God the Father is every type of love that you need. He is love of masculine and feminine. He is a complete love. That this God you are in good hands with because He personally loves you in all the ways that is needed. These are the hands, church, that you and I are in. So as you come to the table today, we're going to sing a song and then we're going to come to communion. And in communion we remember that, yes, Jesus told a story about how a servant would be abandoned and thrown into darkness. That's not all the story. Because after Jesus tells this story, He Himself goes to the cross. He Himself goes to utter darkness. He Himself senses abandonment from God. Why? Because we all at one point have squandered what God has given to us. We've hidden what we've been given. We haven't lived up to what God would desire for each of us. And in the hands of Jesus, we see hands that carried nails. That were able to say, Your identity is taken out of your hands and it is placed in God's hands and it is decided in your favor. So when you take the cup today and when you take the bread, you are reminding in your hands that you are in good hands of a God that has your back and has given you everything you need. Let's praise the God who has opened his hands to us.